This is literally everything, 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 everything. It's time to cut off all communication with the outside world, dust off your old VCR, and gather your collection of mixtapes. Then tease those bangs, put on your favorite pair of leg warmers. The nostalgia bug has bitten, and we're here to scratch the itch. I'm Odell. I'm Erin. It's time to go back where we belong. Hello. Welcome to the first episode of Back Yay. Where We Belong. If you're new to us, welcome and good luck. <laughs> we can be a lot sometimes. A little bit. If you are a carryover from our now defunct True Crime and Unsolved Mysteries podcast, Six Degrees of What mm. the Fuck, welcome. Thanks for sticking with us and joining us on our new yes. endeavor. It's very exciting. And please tell all of your family and friends about us. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube. So if you want to watch us instead of just listen to us and see our lovely faces. And Aaron's very frustrated face. I mean, our old <laughs> listeners will be very happy to know that nothing has changed. I still have no idea what I am doing when it comes to recording this stuff. Yeah, we were supposed to start an hour and 12 minutes ago, and we just got all the audio issues on the I'm really, really annoyed right now. This is a terrible way to start this off. She's in Texas. I'm in Oregon. So it's not like I can just look over and see what's going on. I really do miss show, living but. with you when these things happen <laughs> <laughs> a lot. So yeah, we, if for those of you who are completely new to us, Aaron and I have been friends for almost 22 years, 22 years in September. Oh, this coming oh September. Odell. It's really wonderful. And we lived together at one point in time, as she mentioned. And if there's one thing we can talk about besides true crime, it's movies. Yes. We both especially have an affinity for 80s movies and 90s movies, and we're going to I cover a lot say, of them on this podcast. It's it's mostly a very specific, like, movies that pertain to Gen X. Yes. That we have a very, we both share a very deep love for those, and movies that we grew up on and mm -hmm. learned from. And many movies that people are like, why do you even watch that? That's stupid. Yes. <laughs> many that may not have stood the Time. <laughs> yes. Our focus will be on movies that we loved when we were growing up, as we mentioned. We're casting a wide net on that growing up part because some of the yeah. movies we loved when we were kids were released many years before we were born. I mean, I was raised on the Disney movies, live action Disney movies, some of the old musicals with my grandmother. So yeah. I mean, some of these I was are from raised the 40s, on, 50s. Yeah. I was raised on the old MGM musicals. Yeah. Like, yeah. name me a, you know, Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, Judy Garland movie I haven't seen. Yeah. That is what I was raised on. No, we'll also occasionally throw in a few movies from the early 2000s because we decided that we didn't really become official adults until like roughly 2007 yes. when we bought yes. our first houses. And we bought our houses and I pushed out a baby. You did. That is when, yeah. like, even when I got married, we, we weren't there yet. <laughs> It was the no. house. It was actually owning something and being responsible for a human. That's what did it to us. And that was like, I bought my house when you pushed out the human. So I figured yes. that's like kind of the definitive, okay, we yeah. have to be grownups now. And the only reason I decided I needed to be a grownup was because you had somehow decided that you needed to be a grownup. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> 
Well, and now I feel like now that the girls are teenagers, I feel like I'm regressing. <laughs> like by the time they leave, it will be like it's the early 2000s. Totally. I'm very excited about that time, by the way. Not them leaving, but you know. <laughs> right. Okay, so kind of the format of this show is each week we are going to pick a movie or in some instances, two to three TV episodes, and we will talk about them on the podcast. Twice a month, rather than pick the movie or TV show ourselves, we're going to leave the choice to our wheel of nostalgia, is what I'm calling it now. It's kind of a stupid name. I don't I know. Like maybe it. we'll think of something else to name it. I think well, maybe we'll great. just name it Bessie. <laughs> oh, I love that. We'll let Bessie change our. Spin all Bessie. Oh, now spin it. I like that one. But that's when we will let the wheel of nostalgia choose our next movie. And then we'll get, we'll choose three and then we'll have to select one of the three that we're going to watch. So yeah, that's how we'll kind of lay things out. But before we jump into the movie, we're going to set the stage of what was going on in the world. We're going to have a little nostalgia moment. So today we're watching a movie that was one of my favorites when I was growing up. When I rewatched it, I was like, why did I like this movie again? I mean, I still Uh liked it, but it was way different watching it this time around than it was when I, the last time I saw it, like 30 years ago. Uh-huh. <laughs> Before we jump into chatting about the movie, we're going to look at what was going on in 1980, specifically when the movie was released. So around March 21st, 1980, which kind of surprises me because the movie is set at a summer camp. So I would have thought that maybe they would have uh-huh. released it in like June or July rather than March. Which was weird to me. Yeah, I agree. I agree because the I know from, well, I don't know. At that point in movie history, I know that Jaws was the first summer blockbuster. Right. Summers were not a typical time to go see movies That's before true. that. That's true. And this was definitely not like, it would have been very difficult to compete with the summer blockbuster. Right. So that may have been why they released it a little early, yeah. I would guess. Yeah. And at least it was before. I mean, it was like around spring break time mm-hmm. and things like that. And I know as a parent that March, April, May, that's when we're picking the camps. <laughs> True. <laughs> to send the children off. So it may have been like, uh, oh, sorry. I don't, March doesn't seem too weird to me. Yeah, I mean, I guess it w- Just was because of where it was at the time. <laughs> December would have been much Yeah, that would have been weirder. odd. But we're getting into like the warmer, warmer weather and people are looking forward to the summer. Right. So fun facts about this time, according to onthisday.com, snow fell in Florida on March 1st, 1980. Weird. I know, I'd venture to guess that doesn't happen often. Rebel Rebel Wilson, our future Pitch Perfect star, was born on March 2nd. Okay. On March 6th, 1980, Susan Lucci lost her first of many Daytime Emmy Awards. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I would watch those every year. And we were just like, she was wrong. She would go on to be nominated 19 times and she didn't win her first until 1999. I mean, craziness, you know, the cheers. I remember watching that and people went nuts. And that was the only time she lost. Oh, she won. I feel like they were like, let's just give her the fucking award. (laughs) Just give her something. I mean, she was iconic at that point. We had Laura Prep on of that 70s show and Orange is the New Black. She was born on March 7th, 1980. On March 8th, at the People's Choice Awards, Jane Fonda and Burt Reynolds won Favorite Actor Awards for The China Syndrome 
and starting over, respectively. Oh, oh. Carol okay. Burnett and Alan Alda won Favorite Entertainer Awards. And one of our little darlings herself, Christy McNichol, won Favorite Young Motion Picture Actress. She was up against Brooke Shields and her little darlings co-star Tatum O'Neill. Interesting. But at that point, Tatum already had an Oscar, mm-hmm. didn't she? Yeah, she won an Oscar when she was 10. Yeah. Kind of nuts. Billy Joel's seventh studio album titled Glass Houses released on March 12th. His seventh? Yeah. I didn't. I, when Whoa. I read that too, I was like, wow, he's been around much longer than I, I... realized. Because that was 1980. Wow. Okay. That surprised me. Because, Okay. Okay. But it featured his number one single, It's Still Rock and Roll to Me. And oh, wow. a little throwback to our true crime podcast, Six Degrees of What the Fuck. March 12th was also the day that serial killer John Wayne Gacy was found guilty of murdering 33 <gasps> young boys. Disgusting, <sighs> disgusting man. Does it make you miss our true crime podcast? <laughs> you know what? I'm going to be honest, it does. I've actually really missed it lately. I was so um, Only out. because I've been... I know we were both so, I mean, that went for years. We were both so burnt out, but I do, it's weird getting out of the habit of watching true crime documentaries uh-huh. and not taking notes right. or not being like, ooh, like doing further research because I think it would be a great case. <laughs> right, right. So that's weird and is I'm, I'm trying to get used to that. I still have not watched any true crime documentaries. So it's been like almost two It'll months. make you miss it. Well, It'll I make down, you miss it, I honestly. I almost turned on Dateline yesterday. I'm like, yeah, I don't think I'm ready for it yet. It was good. I need to finish that episode. Yeah. So, Pine Door 813. <laughs> yeah, I did see, that's the one I was going to yeah. watch. Yeah, but if, it's a good one so far. If any of you are into true crime, that podcast is still out there. We just stopped back in February of this year, 2023. So you can still go back and listen to some of those episodes. But lastly, on March 21st, which is the day after the movie, of Little Darlings was released. The TV show Dallas ended with a still talked about season finale cliffhanger where J.R. Ewing was shot <gasps> by an unknown shot person. J.R. Oh, man. When I pulled that up, yeah. I was like, oh, that was a big thing. I, re- I still remember. I mean, I was eight years old. I remember yeah. my parents like, oh, my God. But you know what? I couldn't tell you who shot him. <laughs> today. I have no idea who shot him. I was only two years old right. when that happened. Right. But girl, I heard about that for years. Yeah. And the thing is, like, we for hear about years. it. Who shot JR was this big thing, but I can't tell you. I can tell you but that the, it was a storyline, but I can't tell you who shot him. No, but that there have been so many spoofs on that. Like, mm-hmm. I remember The Simpsons did a big spoof because Mr. Burns was shot and it was who shot Mr. Burns. Yeah. I mean, like, that is such a huge, like, a memorable moment in TV history. Even if you didn't watch the show, you know about J.R. Ewing. Yeah, yeah. And if you're lucky enough to get a Happy Meal in March of 1980, which I don't think I was. I don't know that we had a McDonald's in, because we lived 30 miles away from where we would go, you know, shopping mm. or to see a movie or whatever. We were still rural. I don't know that we yet, we had our McDonald's yet. And we got a mm, Burger King I, before we got McDonald's. You were eight years old? Yeah. And hadn't had McDonald's yeah. yet? I don't think I... Oh, oh Well, and tell. even when... Like, we were poor. So... Yeah. We didn't... McDonald's would have been a big... It was a big treat. Like, when we got to go, to go to town, is what we called it, and get... And we got to eat while we were there. Typically, we went through taco time where my mom could get, like, six tacos for a dollar or something, you know? Taco time. So... Yeah, you don't. We don't. Ha- you don't have Taco Times down there. We have. The- they're big up here. No. Like Taco Bell, Taco Time. Oh, really? Well, mm-hmm. Taco Bell's huge down mm-hmm. here, but 
Taco Time is still around? Yeah, yeah they're still up here. Oh, wow. Yep. Okay. But we never got Happy Meals. I remember there would be occasions when we would get to go in to go shopping with our mom, like around our birthday. And she'd take one mm-hmm. of us with her and we would get a, the treat of a Happy Meal or something. So I spent a lot of time watching the Happy Meal commercials, longing <laughs> for a Happy Meal toy. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, you sweet baby. But if you did get a Happy Meal in March of 1980, you probably received one of the undersea Happy Meal toys, which according to allfastfoodtoys.com were available in Happy Meals between March and May of 1980. I went digging to try to find a picture. I couldn't find one. When I Google it, it keeps oh. giving me toys from 1998 that were also undersea themed. Oh, okay. But then I found another undersea something, and they were storybooks. And I remember they used to give storybooks and Happy Meals a lot, too. They did. So maybe this was a storybook. Oh, my version. God. I forgot. Yeah. Girl, I was Happy Meals and I, we were tight. <laughs> <laughs> we were really tight. Now it makes me want to walk up to the McDonald's behind my house and get a Happy Meal for lunch. Just. Because I can. I mean, just, yeah. I wonder what they have. But now, they, like, they started letting you choose. Yeah. Which toy for a while. And that's not fun. No. You get your box, you open it up, you see what fate gave you. And you're like, that's it. yay. You're like, oh. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, God, I already have that one. Right. Well, it's kind of like when you'd get the box of cereal and there'd be a toy in the cereal. Yes. And you'd get so excited those to. Those were the best. Yeah. And we would get those. We did get those. We'd occasionally get Lucky Charms or, you know, something like that. Yeah. We'd get to dig in. And my my oh, favorite was the Fruity the Pebbles or Cocoa Pebbles. Nice. I also want to do a throwback toy of the week. So okay. I did some digging. What was big in 1980 was the Rubik's Cube. Really? Did you have a Rubik's Cube? I mean, yes, of course I had a Rubik's Cube. Did I ever solve it? No. No, I solved it by taking the stickers off and rearranging the stickers. That's cheating. (laughs) I could solve one side. Occasionally I'd get two sides, but I could never get the entire cube. I could always solve one. Mm -hmm. I could never solve two. And did you ever get the the triangle? They had a Rubik's triangle eventually as well. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All of those. I... I did find once, you know, the interwebs came out mm-hmm. long after they had. This was when I think I had had both my children <laughs> and I Googled how to solve a Rubik's Cube <laughs> and I followed their instructions exactly and solved it. And I'm sorry, like I was just as excited as if I had figured it out myself. <laughs> it was so <laughs> exciting to get all those colors. Yeah. Yeah. I never made that happen. According to the National Toy Hall of Fame, the Rubik's Cube is the most popular puzzle in history. I'm not surprised by that. Yeah. According to Rubik's.com, and I quote, the Rubik's Cube was invented in 1974 by Ernio Rubik, a Hungarian architecture professor. Rubik later used the cube as a learning exercise to teach his students about three-dimensional spaces. Little did he know his magic cube, as he originally named it, would become one of the world's most famous puzzles of all time. Wow. I remember my uncle. He was a rodeo cowboy, so he was on the road a lot. But he came home, and he brought a Rubik's Cube home with him. And it was like the latest, like you couldn't find these. They were almost like the Cabbage Patch yeah. kids when those were first released. So he brought this. Everyone was talking about the Rubik's Cube. And I remember I spent the night at my grandma's house. This is kind of sad. 
I spent the night at my grandma's house and she was like, take this to school with you tomorrow and show the kids that you have a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> and I think my grandma was trying to make me look cool. <laughs> That's really sweet. Oh. Now, I wasn't like the total like outcast in second grade. Right. That's when everybody pr- pretty much still liked everyone. Yeah, 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 yeah. But she wanted me to look like I was like the most popular kid or the coolest kid, I guess, because I had my I everyone wanted. I think that's really cute that grandma was looking after you. She's like, do not. She's like, do not lose it <laughs> because your uncle does not know that you're taking this with you. That is so cute. That is really adorable. That's the Rubik's Cube. So it was still popular, like, even though it had been mm-hmm. released years before. It's still popular now. Like, everyone loves a Rubik's Cube. And now they have, like, yeah. you can do the six, you can do the nine, you can do, like, they have all these different sizes. It just used to be the nine, mm-hmm. right? One, two, three, four. No, it was a six, right? That's a cube. <laughs> yeah, it was a cube, but no, oh. it had the three lines, like three. Two, oh, the three lines. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. you can get them where they're like so much bigger now. Like yeah. where there's 12, you know, there's like. The Rubik's house. Yes, it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. And do you remember the snake? A Rubik's snake? The Rubik's. Yeah, it was like this long. It was like a snake, but it had different things that you could twist and you could turn it into different shapes. So it wasn't like so much a puzzle that you were trying to solve. Oh. So much as you were, you could create you different could just, shapes. Yes, I do it. remember that. I do remember that. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. You know what I've just decided? What? I'm going to, every week when we do this, I'm going to order the toy from Amazon or wherever I can find it. I want to just get a collection of these toys that I used to play with. That would be awesome. If I had How more space, if be? I had my own home, that would be kind of fun, even for like the, to make a podcast studio. But then in the yes. studio, the decorations, I would have add yes. collections of whatever we're talking about. I think someone's about to move. (laughs) (laughs) Now, another thing that I loved when I was growing up more, just as much as I did movies, were books. Yeah. So did a little digging to see what books were released in 1980. This included Judy Bloom's Super Fudge, which was the third book in the Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing series. For some reason, I thought that like Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing released later because i first my teacher read us tales of a fourth grade nothing i think when i was in fourth grade third or fourth grade yep so i did not discover that one until third or fourth yeah so since super fudge came out in 1980 that means and it was the third because we had tales of a fourth grade nothing otherwise known as sheila the great and then super fudge see i read super fudge first out of all of those I did not realize it was any, because you can read each one separately. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not a continuous story. Yeah. But the characters appear. But I read Super Fudge first and then Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing. I didn't read otherwise known as Sheila the Great until like fifth grade. I don't know that I ever read that one. Oh, it's a good one. Yeah. Oh, I need to bust that out. I still have all of those books. I loved Judy Bloom. We also had The Indian in the Cupboard by Lynn Reed Banks. Oh, yeah. I never read that one. The Flying Saucer Mystery, which was the 58th Nancy Drew book by Carolyn Keene. (laughs) My mom grew up on Nancy Drew. That's what she read all the time. Yeah, I used to read the Nancy Drew. I would occasionally, because we Mm -hmm. had the whole collection in our library at school, and I would occasionally check one of those out. Yeah, mom had kept all of hers, and I tried Mm -hmm. tried reading a few of them. The Twits by Roald Dahl. (gasps) Yes! (laughs) Was released in 1980 either, also. I don't think I ever read that one. 
Oh, I read every single Roald Dahl book. Yeah. I didn't realize like the Judy Bloom stuff I thought came out when I was. Yeah. For you some know, reason, I, I, I figured they, they were out in I the mid 80s. Yeah. No, they were much. So the fact wow. that Super Fudge came out in 1980, that means Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing came out in the at least mid like, to 70s. Yeah. I'm shocked. Mm hmm. It's, you know what that just proves? Those books are timeless. Timeless, exactly. That is what that proves. Well, as I started going through the books that were released that year, it made me think of some of the books that I read or my teachers read to us. It reminded me of this book that we were read when I, I'm pretty sure I was in second grade. So it would have been mm -hmm. 1980. Mm -hmm. I clearly remember my teacher, Mrs. Barnes, reading this book to us. But all I could remember was it was about a little girl. She lived alone or with a like a caretaker, and she had this little tiny white dog that could talk. And then this, this evil cat came to the door and was like trying to kill the dog or something. I found it on Amazon. <gasps> what is Thanks it? Thanks to the Google machine, I just typed in book from the 70s or 80s with a little girl and a talking dog. What was it's it? No you flying got it. in the house. I did. I found it on Amazon and I bought it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> No flying. Does that say like 50th anniversary? The 50th anniversary was released in oh. 1970 something. Oh my gosh. But it's by Betty Brock, but I found it for $7. So I bought it. <gasps> but yeah, I've been. Have you read it again? No, I just, it literally came yesterday from Amazon. Oh. So my big one in second grade, I feel like that's a grade where you really start, mm -hmm. like the teachers start reading big books. Yeah. My big one was James and the Giant Peach. Yep. That was right. And then we did a show of it. Nice. And my best friend and I both wanted to be the centipede. So she made it a two-headed centipede. <laughs> One on each end. I'm not sure where it shot from, but we had a like head an, on an, each a end. A worm instead of a centipede. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I, so I've decided, because I have my book review podcast. I don't know that yes. I'm going to review these on there, but I've been reading voraciously. So I think I'm going to try to throw in a kid's book from when I was in... I absolutely I kid, would. I found um, Beezus and Ramona, like the <gasps> whole Ramona series. Yes. Henry Huggins. Because I, like Beverly Cleary, lived, she was from Portland. Oh. And uh, Beezus and Ramona lived on Clickitat Street. And I drive on Clickitat Street every time I go to Trader Joe's to get my groceries. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, and Beverly Cleary's house, she's not alive still. They still have the house here in Portland. It was a like up for sale last year of course i you can't afford it is it a super nice house or it's is just it a little like a little bungalow i feel like that's what she would have had yeah. like she wouldn't have had a, some giant digs mm -hmm. like she seems like she would be very yeah just oh, i just want mm -hmm. a nice room where i can write and then yeah. that's it yeah. yeah oh my gosh that's so cool yeah and then um, also, How to Eat Fried Worms. Do you remember that? God, I love that book. That's another one that I remember. I, I loved that book. Yes, that was one I read in elementary school. Mm -hmm. Obsessed. All right. So if you were camped out in front of the TV on Saturday morning, which of course I was, the spring of 1980, you would have maybe have been watching on ABC. So at this says eight o'clock. Our cartoon started at seven because I was in mountain time. Yeah. But on ABC, we had Super Friends. Okay. And then on CBS, The New Adventures of Mighty Mouse and Heckle and Jekyll. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> and then on NBC was the Super Globetrotters. And I do remember that. The 
super globe trot like super was it a cartoon of the globe trotters of the globe trotters yeah oh my god i love yep. that and then at 8 30 on abc mission magic i don't know what that is um on cbs we had the bugs bunny roadrunner show <sighs> and then on nbc casper and the angels which was most more likely what i was watching and the angels i don't remember that casper and the angels there was they were like mystery solvers. It's like when Scooby-Doo was big. Right. And so everyone, they had these, they tried to do everyone these spin-offs. Everyone was capitalizing these on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, nine, we had Plastic Man <laughs> on ABC. Okay. Popeye on okay. CBS and the Jackson 5 cartoon on NBC. Oh, yes. Then at 9.30 on ABC, this is what I don't get because Casper and the Angels, and maybe Casper and the Angels wasn't about Casper the Ghost. Because oh. that was on NBC at 8.30, but then Casper was on ABC at 9.30. Oh, then it definitely wasn't about Casper the Ghost. Yeah, and, and I didn't, actually, let me click. There's a link. Let's see what Casper and the Angels is about. An American animated television series based on the Harvey Comics cartoon character Casper the Friendly Ghost. Oh! So it was just a I'm different... I'm surprised that two different studios were allowed to use that. Casper the Friendly Ghost is a guardian ghost to two female space police officers named Minnie who is a rather ditzy redhead, and Maxie, who is a much more intelligent African-American woman with a very short temper. I do Minnie remember and these. Maxie. <laughs> they patrol, yeah, They patrol the Jetson-style space city on their flying motorcycles in the year 2179. You know what? We have lost all creativity these days. That's amazing. <laughs> it is amazing. Minnie and Maxie, who are guarded by a ghost, and they're like patrolling the skies. Come M2179. on. Yep. I want to see the pitch for these. That is incredible. But you got to, I mean, we're basically still in the 70s, the spring of 1980. Right. So everything was like drugged up fever trip. <laughs> yes, this is very true. I mean, people like you look at the innocence of childhood in the 70s, you know, with these types of cartoons and the Happy Meals and all of this stuff coming out. People forget that was like, the height of the serial killer. <laughs> yep. That was considered the second golden era of film because you had things like uh, The Godfather and Cabaret and all of these, what, Deer Hunter and mm-hmm. Taxi and or Taxi Driver, whatever. All of those like super dark films yeah, yeah. were coming out. And then the serial killers. And then you also throw in disco and you throw in like Happy Meals and <laughs> Judy Bloom. What the hell was going on it in the 70s? It kind of makes it a little bit, though. It really does. What a wonderful time to be alive. Some of the <laughs> other um, cartoons. So, again, Casper at 930 on ABC. The Monkees on CBS. So, it was just an animated okay. version of the band. And then Josie and the Pussycats on NBC. Okay. Then at 10, Little Audrey's Cartoon Show. Don't know what that is. On CBS, we had Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Oh, yeah. I watched that religiously. And then yes. Spider-Man on NBC. Okay. At 1030, The Amazing Chan and the Chan Clan. I don't remember that one. On CBS, we had Dastardly and Muttley. And okay. then on NBC, Fred and Barney Meet the Shmoo. And that was Fred and Barney of the Flintstones. I don't remember. I think Shmoo was like this little white thing that looked like a talking spot of jizz <laughs> Oh my God. <laughs> if I'm not mistaken. What was, wait, so when did the Flintstones come out? They were out, but they were they doing were already out, And then there it. was like a spinoff. <laughs> yep. Fred and Barney. I love. Shmoo, which, can we talk about the fact that cartoons had spinoffs? Like, how weird is that? It's a spinoff of the Flintstones. It ran from December 8th, 1979 to November 15th, 1980. So not that long. It was a 90 minute show. 
repackaging of episodes from Fred and Barney Meet the Thing, combined with the addition of the new Shmoo episodes. I don't, what's the Shmoo? Oh my God. It's the, well, based on talking. the Little Abner. Oh. I did that show, Little Abner. Yeah. Jubilation to Cone. A friendly, bulbous creature who can stretch and shape his body into any form he wants. God, there were so many drugs being done in the 70s. <laughs> so many. Okay, so it sounds like ABC, they did not have the killer cartoons in 1980. Not really. Though they mm-hmm. had the Brady kids at 11, so it was an animated Brady so That's when everyone switched over, just like later when everyone switched over to Saved by the Bell. <laughs> mm-hmm. Then we had CBS, they had Pink Panther, NBC, Daffy Duck. At 11.30, Scooby and Scrappy-Doo. CB- on ABC, Shazam on CBS. Hong Kong Fui on NBC. I remember Hong Kong Fui. I loved him. Okay. Do you remember okay. Hong Kong Fui? I do not. He was like a dog who was a janitor, but then he could jump into a filing cabinet and he had come out as a crime fighting superhero. And it, he oh, did God. like, <laughs> he was the best. I don't want to get out of the 70s. I want to go back. <laughs> oh my tw- God. 12 or 11, my time. Captain Caveman and the Teen Angels. Love Captain Caveman. Okay. And then Tarzan and the Super 7, Godzilla okay. on NBC. And then we had the ABC Weekend Special, which was kind of like another form of the after school special. And Johnny Quest. And then, of course, American Bandstand and the Jetsons. Right. God, I love the Jetsons. I know. Uh, what year does the Jetsons take place? I think like you know, now. <laughs> I thought so. I remember I'm really someone saying that. that we like, don't have flying spaceships. There's, I know. Going to I can planets. still hear the sound of the spaceship. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I remember our cartoons in the 80s when I can really remember watching the Saturday morning cartoons. They all started at seven o'clock. Yeah, yeah. And I would always try to be up by seven. And then I remember the regular shows. I would get so disappointed if I slept in mm-hmm. because by 10 o'clock you had the shit cartoons. Yep. And then you would just wait for Say by the Bell to come on. Yeah. Um, but I hated sleeping in because that meant I was missing like the, the good Smurfs. stuff. The Smurfs was I was our missing first the one. Smurfs. Yeah. Yes, yep. the Smurfs. And I also loved the, the gummy bears. And the gummy bears, yep. And, shirt and the tails. snorks. The snorks, snorkels. Yep. Snorks. Snor- snorks. Oh, and the shirt tails. Remember the shirt tails? Shirt tails, absolutely. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so the ones you listed, those were still like, that was 1980. when That the, was spring that, of 1980 okay. when those were on. So about the same time okay. that the, the movie came out. We're okay. going for a really long time. I really, so we're going to talk about another fave of mine, the 80s music. Gotta love it. Yes. Yes. So according to the top40weekly.com, the top 10 songs the week that this movie was released were number 10, How Do I Make You by Linda Ronstadt. No idea okay. what that is. Mm-mm. Number nine, Too Hot by Cool and the Gang. I do you remember yes. that one? Yes. Number eight, The Second Time Around by Shalimar. Number yes. seven, okay. Rupert Holmes' Hymn. Don't know what hymn okay. is. Number six, On the Radio by Donna Summer. Love that. Okay, yes. Number five, Working My Way Back to You and Forgive Me Girl Medley by The Spinners. Uh-huh. Number four, Desire by Andy Gibb. Number uh-huh. three, Crazy Little Thing Called Love by Queen. Love it. Number two, Longer by Dan Fogelberg. And okay. number one, Another Brick in the Wall by Pink Yes, Boy. I yes. do remember that one. So if you grew up in the 70s, 80s, maybe even the 90s, you're very familiar with the America's Top 40, most notably with yes. Casey Kasem. You're probably very familiar with the concept of a mixtape or eventually a CD mix. 
Yes, but nothing beats the mixtape. Not at all. So we're going to carry on that tradition with this podcast. So each week, we're each going to pick a song from that week's top 40. So I only gave you the top 10, but there are 30 other uh, Mm -hmm. songs on that list. Mm -hmm. Aaron and I both will be choosing one song to add to the playlist. And then whoever picked that week's movie gets to add a third song. With the caveat that provided we're, we're going to try to find a song that was played in the movie to add to the list and if we can't if we have a movie that for whatever reason just had a bunch of classical music or whatever then we can choose another song from the top 40 i know what song i want you to choose from this movie all right we have two playlists one that's 70s 80s focused one that's 90s 2000s focused these are both available on itunes and spotify right now We've added, or I've added, I'm still waiting for Erin to send me her 1080s and 1090s songs. Yes, yes. I'll do that today. They're available on our website at backwherewebelong.com. Just click on the playlist link and it'll, there's a playlist for or a button for Spotify, a button for iTunes so you can get to the playlist. They're pretty fabulous. Of so my song that I chose from the top 40 uh-huh. is Heartbreaker by Pat Benatar. <gasps> oh. It was sitting oh, at, that is such a good <laughs> it one. Is, it was sitting at number 24 this week. Okay. What is your choice? I'm I went with the number one with another brick in the wall. That okay. for whatever reason, Odell, I can't explain it. I was obsessed with that song. Okay. Growing up. I just thought it was the coolest song in the world. I thought for sure you were going to choose Call Me by Blondie, which is I why thought I about didn't it. choose it. That was my second choice. <laughs> Because I love that song, but we'll do more in 1980, so I will definitely choose that later at some point. The song that I chose from the movie is Shake It by Ian Matthews. It plays during the opening credits of the movie. You thought I was going to choose Let Your Love Flow? or I thought you were going to do One Way or Another. That's what I was hoping for. Oh, that is on in the movie. I Mm -hmm. forgot about that when they're driving the bus. When they're on the bus, yeah. Yep. Okay, well, speaking about the movie, we are going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back and chat about it. It's low that first sight when 15-year-olds Ferris Whitney and Angel Bright meet on the way to summer camp. It doesn't take long for a rivalry to form, and before you know it, the girls are competing to lose their virginity before the end of summer. Ferris sets her sight on Gary Callahan, the dreamy older man who acts as the activities director at the camp while Angel sets her sights on Randy Adams, a boy who attends the camp across the lake. While the rest of the girls at camp pick sides on who will be the first to be deflowered, Angel and Ferris set off to score, forever changing in the process. So, as I mentioned, Little Darlings was released on March 21st, 1980. Other movies that opened this week included Little Miss Marker, starring Tony Curtis, Bob Newhart, and Lee Grant. Never saw it, did you? What is it called? Little Miss Marker. No. The original Mad Max was released uh, this same weekend. As well as This wasn't the Tina Turner one, right? uh, No, that was Beyond Thunderdome. Beyond Thunderdome, okay. And then Hide in Plain Sight, directed by and starring James Caan, also came out that week. I've heard about that movie, but not, I mean, I never saw it. But that was like at height of hot James Conn. James Conn, yeah, he was sexy. And his his son Scott Conn is kind of sexy too. I mean, well, it's his twin, right? And even James Conn as an older man was, he was quite good looking. Yeah, yeah, he aged well. 
So Little Darlings was rated R with a runtime of one hour and 35 minutes. It has a 67% Rotten Tomato score with a 76% audience score. (laughs) Little Darling stars Tatum O'Neill as spoiled rich girl Ferris. Christy McNichol is Streetwise Angel. Matt Dillon is the hunky Randy Adams. Armand Asante is Gary Callahan, the activities director. And then a very young That's future... That's who that was! Continue. <laughs> okay. A very young future Miranda Hobbs, Cynthia Nixon, plays Sunshine. Yes. And I call her out specifically because she went on to do some pretty major stuff. Like, it's yeah. funny that she's the most successful... Well, her and Matt Dillon are the most successful out of this. Uh, yes. As far as long-term success. And goes. oh my God, Tatum O'Neill had a guest appearance on Sex and the City. She did. Yep, I had that here. I totally my, forgot um, about that. Facts. Yeah, so Tatum O'Neill, some facts about her. She is the youngest person to ever win an Oscar for her portrayal of Addie mm-hmm. Loggins in Paper Moon. She was just 10 years old when that happened. She starred in Paper Moon with her father, Ryan O'Neill. She was also in The Bad News Bears. Did you ever see that? Oh, I never saw I it, but it. I knew that it's she was list. in it. She oh, played good. Goldilocks in an episode of Fairytale Theater. <gasps> and I know you loved fairy tale theater. <laughs> Girl, you know I love fairy tale theater. Oh, oh my God. Okay. And then later in life, she made appearances on Sex and the City, Eight Simple Rules, Eight Simple Rules, that is, and starred in the series Wicked Wicked Game, which I never saw. I don't even know. I have not even heard of that. I know, but evidently it ran for a few seasons. I'm not, it was like on a, a cable channel or something. Okay. So, facts about Christy McNichol. First of all, I had. In my mind, Christy McNichol was my best friend when I was a kid. I wanted to be Christy McNichol. I loved her. I loved her. She played the role of Buddy in the TV series Family, and she won two Emmy Awards and was nominated for a Golden Globe for this role. She made several appearances on other TV shows in the 70s and 80s. Besides Little Darling, she also appeared in the Pirate movie, one of my favorite 80s musicals ever it is coming up soon i can promise you we will be watching that soon she was also in neil simon's only when i laugh with marcia mason she was in a movie i love marcia mason a movie titled just the way you are dream lover and you can't hurry love she was also in one titled two moon junction she appeared on several tv movies and series one of her last roles was that of barbara gordon on nbc's empty nest which was a spinoff of the golden girls she oh, left. yeah. Do you remember that? I do. She left that show in 1992 after being diagnosed as bipolar. She said she had to take a break. She needed to go away from show business so that she could focus on taking care of herself and her mental health. So kudos to her for that. This movie was directed by Ron Maxwell, who, from what I could tell, didn't direct anything else that was notable. And I can understand <laughs> why after seeing the editing of this film. Okay. The movie was written by Kimmy Peck. This was her only writing credit on IMDb. And Daylene or Delene Young, who wrote a lot of TV movies, but no other feature films. The movie was filmed just outside of Atlanta at Hard Labor Creek State Park in Rutledge, Georgia. And from what I understand, some of the signage and such used in the movies is still at that camp. Oh, wow. So I watched an episode of Siskel and Ebert when this movie came out. I forgot they used to have a show. Mm-hmm. I think Ebert. Who was who? Uh, Ebert Siskel. was the one who's, who passed first, who was the white hair. Siskel was the taller one. Okay, so it was Ebert. 
Yeah. Um, he wrote, the movie begins with inexperienced teenagers who have an uninformed, frivolous attitude towards sex, which I feel like most teenagers do. That you just described everyone. Go on. <laughs> it moves rather awkwardly through would-be comic scenes in which O'Neill and McNichol attempt to seduce their target males and win the bet. But the scenes in which they, to- when they actually confront the realities of sex are handled so thoughtfully and tastefully that they almost seem to belong to another movie. Totally agree. Okay, yeah. Little Darlings really wants to be two movies at once. A fairly serious film about teenagers and sex, but also a box office winner like National Lampoon's Animal House or Meatballs. Okay, Great I can point. see that. He also said, who is this movie made for? These are 15-year-old girls, yet it was rated R, which implies you have to see it with an adult or be an adult to see it. It was rated R? It was rated R. And that's my question. That shocks me. Yes. So we're going to get to, I have this whole theory about this later on when we're going to talk about it. But first, had you seen this movie before? No, I had not. I watched it last night, Odell. For the first time? For the very first time. Okay. I had many feelings. (laughs) (laughs) So tell me, what are some of your feelings? If anyone wants to know, I mean, you hear now because there's all this stuff about, you know, Me Too and, and all of that. And a lot of things that happened to people back in the 80s mm-hmm. and early 90s, especially. Mm-hmm. And um, even the 70s, I feel like. And Oh, absolutely. In the 70s. I mean, like, up, yeah. That whole, everything that we're covering, when they say, oh, it was a different time, this movie is a perfect example mm-hmm. of that different time. Yeah. 100%. I was, these girls look like babies. I yeah, was so shocked at like the sexualization of them. Mm-hmm. I don't think you could ever make this film today. Ever. Well, not this exact film with these exact shots. Definitely not. You may be able to if they were 17, 18 years old. Yeah. You might be able to get these were 14, 15 year old girls. Right. You definitely. I just remember that one shot when they're saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And it's just, uh, it goes. The chests. It's, yeah. yes, it's just panning across their chests. Uh, and their boobs are so tiny, like a and normal 14 year old. And I was just like, I feel so weird watching this right now. When I, so the, the one that I watched, which is the, the same version you watched, is the theatrical release. I grew up on this movie, but I got the TV version. And <laughs> right. So they edited it. I and you I can that. tell you the TV version had different scenes. And so when weird. I was watching this, I was like, they cut something out. Like it doesn't, the, the continuity of the story mm-hmm. was very, it wasn't there. It was very choppy in the, in the release theatrical version. release. Usually when you watch the TV version, you're like, you have to fill in the blanks because right. they cut out so, so much. But it was the exact opposite. The, the TV version made more sense to me. Interesting. I wonder if you watch the TV version now. Well, I went and I found some of the scenes that were deleted. And I'm like, uh-huh. why did they take that out? Because it helps bridge so many of the gaps that are in the movie, in the theatrical huh. version. So that when I was young, when I watched it and they panned across the chest, that scene is right after they've stolen the condom machine. From okay, the, that makes okay. Okay, so, so thought, you're supposed to see like the condoms packed in there. Yeah, well, I thought that they had blown up the because we see the little girl Penny, yes, stuffing her bra with tissue paper. Yes, I lumpiest, thought that they had, most awkward <laughs> fake breasts I've ever seen. Yes, 
I thought that they had blown up the condoms and put them in their bras. That was my thought because that we see oh, them blowing them up right before that. Yeah, but yeah, then yeah. When you rewatch it, they're like they're obviously not stuffed. Well, it's like the next day. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I thought when I was a kid, in my mind, the way okay. I bridged that was, oh, they stole it the, because I didn't know what condoms were. Right. I was like ten years old when I first saw the movie, but you so knew like, they were oh, blowing things up, like balloons. Blowing them up, so they blew them up. So I like, saw Penny stuffing her bra earlier. And right. I was like, oh, it was lumpy. It didn't look right. So they t- stole these balloons yes. <laughs> from the the bathroom to stuff their bras. Yeah. That's why they showed the boobs. Yes. <laughs> Yes. So watching this as a 10, 11 year old is much different. I also thought when I was a kid that I didn't know what sex was at that time. Right. So I thought that they were just racing to see who could get their first kiss. Oh, oh, you <laughs> sweet baby. <laughs> yeah. No, I, but I feel that way about a lot of 70s movies. Like this just kind of continues that where the children are seeing one and the adults are seeing something totally oh, yeah. different. Yeah. Which I feel like. In today's time, that's a lot of the Pixar Disney cartoons. We get a completely different mm-hmm. point of view as an adult. But as an adult going back watching movies like Little Darlings, yeah. I'm sitting there like, oh my God, this is not the movie that, even though I didn't see it back then, there are a bunch back then where I'm just like, like you, just yeah. I'm filling with my immature brain the gaps. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh so do God. you agree with the R rating? No. I don't either. That's and my so thought weird. Is, and my question is, do you think if they had flipped it and we were focused on the boys losing their virginity? So Matt Dillon, the uh-huh. guys at Camp Tomahawk were losing uh-huh. their virginity and the girls were the supporting characters. If it had been focused on the guys losing their virginity, do you think it still would have been an R rating? I feel like it would have been more of an R rating if it was focused on the guys. Because I feel like they would be, it would have been a lot dirtier. They would have been more crude. So I do think that. I think this one, though, is in many ways like what Ebert was saying, it being two different movies and one being serious, like really focusing on that, on the girls, you know, giving it away at such a young age. It would be important for 14 and 15 year olds to see that. Well, some some of the scenes in the movie are really poignant, like when. Chrissy yeah. McNichol has sex. Spoiler alert. She's the only one. Like she and Tatum O'Neill have their have the, the bet. bet. And Tatum sets her sights, of course, on this older man who, thank God, nothing happened. Otherwise it would have been Lolita. I was nervous. <laughs> I was I was concerned enough that he was like, Well, if you were 21, I think I'd fall madly in love with you. I was disturbed was enough by yep. that. But when Christy McNichol does, and she has that realization of this is a big thing, like what I just did. And she tells him, I'm not a woman. Because I remember back in the day when you had sex, that's what made you a woman or a man. That's what, yes. So she's crying and she's like, she realized like this was a big deal. Like I gave away a part of me to you. Yeah. That was a really good scene. And I love what she said. I didn't think it would be so personal. Mm Mm-hmm. I felt like you could see through me. Like that's, I mean, what a great way to describe it. That is why I'm really shocked by the rated R because this is a movie that those girls should actually see. Mm -hmm. And it might not be the most comfortable thing to see it with your parents who has to walk in with you. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's really interesting. I what was their justification? Just because of the sexual nature? Yeah, and because it was, they they assumed it was because it was girls. Like you know, there were we were still in that age of where girls are supposed to be prim and proper. So this was an outdoor right. thing. They didn't want to give girls the idea that it was okay to go out and have sex. But then it's like, who are you making the movie for? Because when you're right, playing across right, right. young girls' chests, and yeah, you think, adults don't need to be seeing this. No. Uh, oh. That gives me the heebie-jeebies. I don't like that at Another all. Another scene that I really liked was when Ferris and Angel are on the swings at the playground. And they both admit yes. that they, like, Ferris admits that she didn't do it. And Christy says she did. And mm. the... Angel. Or, yeah, Angel. Look, the, you're talking about her like <laughs> she, she is your friend. friend. <laughs> <laughs> but that realization that, like, oh, you lied. For yeah. me, so I could win, basically. Yeah. But also, she did it because it was a bigger deal to her yeah. than just simply losing her virginity. There was so yeah. much more attached to it. What's funny, though, like I said, with the rewatch, I felt like there was a lot missing. And so I was browsing through stuff on IMDb because I had never seen the theatrical release until I sat down to watch this. When is the last time you watched this? At least 30 years ago, probably okay. longer. I mean, we it, okay. I recorded it. So like early 20s, late teens kind of time. More, more likely late teens, yeah. So okay. I recorded it. It was on NBC. According to IMDb, NBC broadcast the film in early 83 and then reran it in mid-84, which means that's probably when we recorded it was in 1984 because we had our VCR by then. They mm -hmm. used an alternate version where they added in originally cut footage to replace some of the more risque material. They also dubbed over some of the dialogue. So in one case, when Cinder asks Sunshine to play something sexy on her flute, when Ferris goes to have oh, her yes. swim lesson, they, they changed it to read or to say, play something sultry. Because they didn't want girls saying okay, sexy Okay, they didn't want to say on TV. Okay. In play. And then so also with the ginseng, when she's like, it'll make you sexy mm -hmm. or whatever it was. Yeah. In place of whoever loses her virginity first wins, they changed it to whoever gets a guy first wins. Which Okay, so that makes sense why you were like, oh, <laughs> right. kiss. Yep, yep. Okay, they were just trying okay to get a that makes more sense. Yeah. There was also a fairly large scene that has Angel saving Ferris from drowning. So when Angel goes to meet Randy at the boathouse the first time, she takes her canoe and they end up not doing it because she's all like in her head. Mm -hmm. When she leaves, there's a rainstorm and Ferris, because Ferris just got the, the news from her dad when it was parents' day, yes. that her mom probably wasn't coming home. They were yeah. separating and she was depressed. So she took a canoe out to think and... A rainstorm came in, and Christy sees her fall out of her canoe. Angel, Angel sees, sees her, her fall, her, fall out of her canoe. <laughs> We're besties. <laughs> I, I can tell. <laughs> she sees her fall out of the canoe, and she actually jumps in, and she grabs her and takes her back to the canoe. And she's like, why did you save me? And she's basically saying, like, it was the right thing to do. Well, she tells her, if I knew it was you, I would have just left her ass there, you know, being the right. tough person she is. But then... There's a discussion during that scene where she asks something about, Christy tells her, well, your mom will come back. Like, my mom leaves all the time and she comes back. Of course, she comes back with random guys that I don't right. know. 
but she always comes back. Mm-hmm. So it gives you a little more about. I like that. Why would they cut that out? I know. Because it says a lot right there about this is where their friendship first starts to come together because they had hated each other up to this point. Right. It also gives you a little more insight into Angel's life at home. Yeah. And she's telling her, you know, you'll be okay. You're going to be okay when you get through this. Yeah. There is a scene where um, so they hijack the bus. Which, when I was a kid, this was one of my favorite scenes. This is they steal the bus. Yes, they go to get the condoms. They send Penny through the window, and she kicks Penny the condoms down. Penny may have been down. my favorite. <laughs> I loved favorite. her. But that's where Christy or Angel meets Randy, a very sexy. Don't let the name Matt fool Dillon. you. <laughs> no, I love that. <laughs> that was really funny. They use that as a tagline. Oh, really? Um, for little darlings, oh, don't, don't let, let the, the name, name fool you. you. Mm-hmm. That's cute. But when they come back the bus breaks down and so you see all of them walking down the road carrying this carrying the condom machine (laughs) and then they also cut a scene which totally bridged another gap in the movie because in the theatrical version they sit down they talk to the girls are like mr callahan's gonna lose his job because there's this rumor that he had sex with ferris and it didn't happen. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We can't let that happen. And then all of a sudden they're going home and Mr. Callahan is all fine. Right. So in the TV version, they, after they fight with Cinder and yes. Sunshine punches Gosh, her in the face. Such, that was awesome. <laughs> I love that. They go to talk to Miss Nichols, the camp counselor or the head of the camp, and tell him this wasn't real. This didn't really happen. Uh-huh. And all of the girls go in there one by one to tell them about the bet. And that's what gets saves Mr. Callahan from getting fired and having rape charges pressed against him. Yeah. So there was none of that that in this. Yeah. So that also helped bridge that gap of, well, how did we get from he's going to lose his job to all of a sudden he's standing by the bus giving Ferris a hug? Like, why is he okay with her now? You can't touch her now, sir. So I feel like they should have left those scenes in I there. completely agree with you. I had because no idea those stands, scenes existed. As it stands, it's just a bunch of different scenes that don't really flow together. It's very yeah. choppy. Yeah. Like, I can see why this guy didn't do another movie. They're like, yeah. what is this shit that you gave us? And it's who did the... Coherent. I, I want to know who did the TV version. <laughs> if they got just like the whole thing. I mean, if if this director did, which I doubt... Um, or the ed- maybe the editor did. I don't know, but I don't know who put that together because they should have gone on to have a lovely career, <laughs> right? Because that sounds because a lot it made better. Sense. Yeah, yeah. Because when I watched it again, I was like, there are holes in this. So I had to go on to IMDb, and I was doing some like I was googling where there are deleted scenes from Little Darlings, and I actually managed to find the um, canoe scene where they have that discussion. Okay, so I'll send you a link to it so you can watch it. If yeah. You want. So what was your favorite scene in the movie? I know you weren't a big fan of the movie, but... I did... You know what I loved was the food fight, only because you could see actual pure joy on all those girls' faces. They obviously had the best time making that Mm -hmm. scene. Mm -hmm. That made me really happy. But then as story-wise, just a fun scene I thought was stealing the bus. I love yeah, that. that. Was fun. And I love the way favorites. Angel, like Angel and Randy, their conversation, like they really mm-hmm. kind of matched wits with each other. So I like that. And then I love Cinder getting 
fucking punched Punch in the, the face, face. <laughs> even though she was obviously being sexually abused at home. Right. That's my thought. But I loved seeing her getting punched. I love how you took this from a light little comedy yeah, no. into a after school special. I'm, I'm telling you, there would be so it would be such a different movie now. There would be so much discussion. Because how old totally. was Cinder? It was implied that she was, I mean, she was probably the same 14, age. 14, 15 years old. Yeah. And then we see so her making out with her, I guess, quote, fiance. Right. Well, and after this Brooke Shields documentary came out, we know how yeah. models that age were treated. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Yep. Like, obviously sexually abused. Right. Obviously. <laughs> it's so, it screamed to me as soon as they got into the cabin and she started the bet. I was like, oh, honey, I just want to brush your hair and hold you. <laughs> right. like, and you, that purple eyeshadow. Oh, my. And that red lipstick, the glossy yep. red lipstick. Oh, some of her hairdos, too. Goodness. <laughs> when they were down watching the with the binoculars, watching the yes. swim scene and she had the braids, but then she had the other two more braids that were like circled. Yes. So she had the circle braids and the other braids. And then sometimes she had that big wave on her brain. Yes, girl. I mean, she was iconic rich girl 80s. Oh, totally. She really was. And then Tatum O'Neill was iconic Haley Mills parent trap rich girl. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Which I think is another reason why I loved this movie, because it was set at summer camp, which is Mm -hmm. something that I never went to. And I remember seeing. So we did you maybe not? Back when I was a kid, like before we had VCRs, the only way you could see a movie was if they played it on TV. Right. Or if you went to the movie theater to see it. Right. Or we at school, once every semester, we got a movie day and we never knew when the movie day was coming. Mm-hmm. There was always a surprise. Oh, that's would break cute. Us up, like the kindergarten through the first th- through fourth grade would see it in the morning and then the fifth through eighth grade would see it in the afternoon. We would all go over to the high school, to the auditorium, and we would watch. A, it was usually a dis- live action Disney movie. Love it. That they would show. And so I think was I, I was in second or third grade, they showed us The Parent Trap. And I was like, oh, my God, I know that I have, you a, have twin a twin out there. Of course. And I have to go to summer camp and meet them. Of course. So I was obsessed with that movie. Yes. And so when Little Darlings came along and I loved Chrissy McNichol. So I had this whole summer camp Fantasy. Yes. Yes, From a kid. So I think that's another reason why I love this movie so much. Adele, let me tell you something. Here's what happened to me. I did go to a camp once. Mm -hmm. It was not summer camp for these movies (laughs) at all. Second of all, what Parent Trap did to me really, really messed me up. Because I, I watched that movie constantly when I was a kid. But I swore, like you, I was like, I know I have a twin. I know I do. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was my best friend, Amy, who was a year older than me. (laughs) But I thought they obviously lied about something. I called Mm -hmm. the hospital where where I was born (laughs) and asked for my birth records. How old were you? uh, Maybe eight or nine. (laughs) I mean, obviously, they were like, girl, you can go F yourself. Like, come on now. (laughs) This is ridiculous. But I literally called Park Plaza Hospital in Houston, Texas. And I said, can I get the birth records for Aaron Simpson? Because I think that uh, I might have a twin and I'm not sure. So I just wanted to check. <laughs> Those movies really messed me up. But I had that same like vision of summer camp. Like what a magical place. But yeah. it was down here in Houston where I went. And it was <laughs> hot. 
and there were bugs and there was no like, I mean, there was freedom, but it was the woods. And even back then I had the hair prick up like, oh, I'm not going in there. I'm going to die, <laughs> you know, and it was with people that I, oh God, it's just, it was gross. And I never went back. So you didn't find your long lost bestie? No, or I didn't find anybody. And in fact, I was just like, I don't want to know you people. But there was one night where we got to look through a telescope and I saw the rings of Saturn. And that, that one experience <laughs> was worth the whole thing. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Rewatching this movie, I it's funny how when you're so obsessed with something when you're younger and you watched it all the time. Mm-hmm. Though certain lines were still in my head, like the timing mm-hmm. and everything would still pop up. So when they're pushing Penny through the window of the bus so that she can open the bus for them. Right. And that girl, I forget her, the character's name, but she's pushing her up. She's like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that sound immediately popped into my head. And then when the parents come for Parents Day and Chubby, which, um, why, why did they call her Chubby? She was like, hey, Chubby, when she first comes to the, like, we wouldn't get along with, get away with that today. No. But that girl and Ch- the character of Chubby were sitting there and their parents were like, do you like each other? And we love each other. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I can still hear that in my head. And it popped into my head when I was watching it. It's just crazy how my, that happens. My nickname was Moose when I was little because my dad <laughs> said I looked like a moose when I came out. <laughs> That was my interest. That's sweet. Isn't that? <laughs> Thanks, Dad. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Crap. So some facts about the movie. Christine McNichol took up smoking as part of the preparation for the role, but mm-hmm. couldn't quit the habit. She was a regular smoker for nearly 10 years after finishing the movie. On that same note, Tatum O'Neill was the one who taught her how to smoke because she had taken up the habit when she shot Paper Moon. Oh my god. At 10. <laughs> oh my god. Didn't Tatum O'Neill go through like some major drug issues yeah, and stuff? A lot of the child stars they from back did. then, drugs and alcohol. What? Sexual abuse. I'm telling mm-hmm. you. Christy McNichol and Tatum O'Neill were both child stars that shot to superstardom in the 70s and 80s. They won awards for playing tough girls and tomboys. Tatum O'Neill was the tomboy in Bad News Bears. In Tatum's case, so yeah, here we go. They were sidelined by personal problems and went into self-destructive tailspins for much of the 80s and 90s. So in Tatum's case, she was a drug user that was perpetuated and generated by her father's unrelenting abusive treatment of her over the years. I did not know that she was abused by Ryan O'Neill. I did not know that either. Christy, as I mentioned earlier, had bipolar disorder, which was undiagnosed at the time. It spun out of control during her young adulthood. Mm. To some degree, both stars had a comeback. So Christy starred on Empty Nest, as I mentioned, for Mm -hmm. eight seasons. And then Tatum wrote a bestseller called Paper Life, which is about her horrific Hollywood upbringing. I kind of want to read that. I really want to read that. Tatum O'Neill beat out Christy McNichol and Jodie Foster for the role of Amanda in The Bad News Bears. Someone else was initially cast as Gary Callahan, Armando Sante's role. But right before shooting began, he had a falling out with someone involved with a movie and either quit or he was fired. They started shooting the movie anyway. And by the time they had replaced him with Armando Sante, half the movie had already been shot. So they went back oh. and filmed all of his his scenes. Interesting. Um, writers Kimmy Peck and Delene Young said that Tatum O'Neill was always their first choice for the role of Ferris. 
The role of Angel was initially offered to Brooke Shields, but her price was too high. Mm. They also considered Jodie Foster. Would have been Christy great. McNichol was, when Christy McNichol was hired, Young said she was very disappointed because McNichol was known primarily as a television star. But at the end, she turned out to be the best thing in the picture. Yeah. And then... Jodie Foster, she's like one of the few that came out of that childhood stardom mm-hmm. and did great. Did okay. Yeah. Did great. <laughs> and Angel, played by Christy McNichol, is accused of being a lesbian in the movie. She denies it there, but later Christy McNichol came out as a lesbian. She did so, hoping that she would, hoping that she would help inspire others from that generation who were living in shame or in secret. Uh, Tatum O'Neill came out as bisexual later in life as well. I didn't know that. Nope. Okay. So a few oopsies. There were were quite a few. I'm sure. But (laughs) the first one, and I didn't realize this until I read this. When the girls first get their cabin assignments, Penelope, Uh little Penelope. Says that cabin C is for little kids because she tries to sneak in with the older girls. Right. Later, when Cinder's taking bets in the mess hall, mm-hmm. a much older girl hands her money and says that cabin C is betting on Ferris to win. So either that was a mix-up or <laughs> there were a bunch of horny 10-year-olds that sent an older right. girl with her money <laughs> to bet on Ferris. <laughs> I like to believe that. <laughs> I too. I think that's, that's the I like case. to think that the younger girls are like, oh, she's telling and I'll lose it. Well, and I think the younger girls probably had the same idea that you had. <laughs> right. That, Just oh gonna, my God, they're going to get boyfriends. This is yeah. so exciting. I literally thought they were going to make out, maybe touch a boob. That's what I thought the bet, the bet was. <laughs> no, oh, no concept of what thing. being a virgin was. Here's one thing I have. They said fourth base. Do you remember when she was like, Cinder was like, what base have you gotten? Have you gotten fourth base? Mm-hmm. And she was like, no one's gotten to fourth or whatever that is. And she goes, <laughs> yeah. I got a home run. <laughs> like, there's no fourth base. Right. Dumb bitch. Which I I wonder if that was a, an oopsie or if that was just her trying to make herself look bigger than she really was. Right. Could have Because been later when they were all talking about we have to save Mr. Callahan's job, they all admit that none of them have had sex before. Right. Except for Cinder before she right. gets punched in the face. Well, she did by her dad, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> when they pull into the boathouse, when so Angel goes to pick up Randy, when she goes to caca, caca, to get, yes. him, get him to come out, she's in a tan canoe. But then when they pull up to okay. the boathouse, the canoe is green. Yeah, okay. Did not notice that. Yep. I but, never look for those continuity things ever. I don't either. The color of Ferris's blouse changes from purple to pink in the course of the food fight scene. Oh, it went from purple to what? To pink. Huh. I didn't even pay attention to that because I was having so I, much fun watching the food right? fight that I, I didn't even pay attention to what color her shirt was. No. In the bus fight scene at the very beginning, a short girl with braces is seen near the back of the bus, but then in the next shot, next shot she's in between the fight and the front of the bus. Okay. Maybe she just got really excited and like jumped over. Was like, like I'm gonna, exactly, I'm be a part of this. <laughs> exactly, or crawled across the top, a la Exorcist or something. Exactly. <laughs> when the bet is being made, Cinder goes from having no makeup on to wearing purple eyeshadow. <laughs> that purple eyeshadow okay. was okay. horrific. And then that in, was popular. <laughs> it totally was the. the she had purple and she had blue in a lot of places. Yes. As well. The blue was especially popular. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Everyone had blue. 
In the scene on the bus at the beginning of the movie, Angel is smoking a cigarette, but when she and Ferris start to fight, the cigarette disappears. And I remember yes. that when I was a kid, I, I kept worrying about where did the cigarette go? Yes. Somebody's yes. going to get burned. I did, I did worry about that last, last night. I mm-hmm. actually, yeah. Okay. So I noticed that one. Why are they allowed to smoke on the bus? I know that was a thing. And I did some digging to try to figure out what was the smoking age, because it used to be really young back then. Right, right. And I think it was 16 at the time. Okay, so she should not have had that. And especially on a bus with all these kids. Yeah, but she smoked everywhere, like a a fucking chimney. But then I remember back in the day, too, like you could go down and buy a pack of cigarettes and just say you were getting them for your parents. And they'd be like, okay. There was no ID check, nothing. Oh, you know what scene um, when your girl Christy and Matt Dillon were in the the woods or whatever, and they were smoking and drinking? Mm-hmm. Girl, I could taste all of that. <laughs> that so I... mid-afternoon cigarette and Budweiser. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I could taste it. What I loved was she kept throwing beers at him like, here, have another one, have another one. And she was pretending to drink, thinking that that was going to get him horny. And bring down his, I'm like, girl, all you did was give him whiskey dick. (laughs) Exactly. That is exactly what I was thinking. I was like, he can't get it up now. Yeah. That scene, I don't remember that scene being in the TV version that I watched, which. Ah. Also, you know, at the very beginning when, and the reason why I chose the song that I did from the movie was because it's the opening song. Right. And when she kicks the dude in the nuts right on beat of that song. Yes, yes. But when they showed that on TV, they did this quick like pan in so you couldn't see her foot connect. So it showed her kicking. It just showed a kick. But you didn't see her foot connect with the nuts. Gotcha. Okay. So I saw the the connection for the first time the other night when I watched it as well. (laughs) All right. Any other thoughts on this movie before we take another break and come back for the fun round? I mean, just... Y'all, if ever there were signs like trauma, it's all over this movie. I'm sorry. Like watching it in today's time is Mm -hmm. very different from when. Right. I I mean, I know even though I didn't watch it back then because I was two. But I know that even if I'd watched it later 80s, I would have accepted all of it as just perfectly normal. Mm-hmm. Watching it last night, I was like, oh, I want to have all you guys over and just like a heart to heart afternoon <laughs> right. special because there's some shit going on. Yeah, I feel so, like yeah. it had the ten. It could have been a really good movie if they had been, been a great coming of age movie. Yeah, but they just. Through a bunch of scenes together, there was no real good continuity. And and I agree that they were trying to make it kind of like Animal House like, Mm -hmm. but then also really, I mean, there's nothing poignant in Animal House that I can think of. No, no. But then they were definitely putting in like an ABC after school special at the mm -hmm, same time. mm -hmm. Yeah, they just weren't really sure what the movie, what movie they were trying to make. Yes. I feel like. Yes, I agree with that completely. All right, let's take a break. Okay, now it's time to have some fun with the movie. So first, I want to play a round of One Has to Go. Which one of these characters could be cut? Cinder, the... Well, I want her to be cut because she's at the therapist, but go on. (laughs) She's kind of necessary to the story, though. Penny or Chubby? Chubby. Yeah. She didn't do a lot. I mean, 
She was just kind of there. She I feel didn't like bring anything. It was, it, it, she was kind of the sad Eeyore because she didn't say anything. Yes. Yeah. No, she there's kind of no, there. She did nothing to the plot no. except like shame fat people. <laughs> right. And she didn't even do it. And that's a whole it. other movie. Right. It was the other people calling her. It, to, was, like, it was like they just had yes. her there to say, oh, we're going to have somebody that we call chubby in the film. It which, was normalizing like the very casual bullying. That's all it mm-hmm. was. So I that could go. She could go. So which of these actors should be replaced? Okay. Tatum O'Neill, uh-huh. Chrissy McNichol, uh-huh. Matt Dillon, or Armand Asante? I feel that Armand Asante could have been anybody. Yeah. He, I mean, Sexy he, older he man. wasn't like a big, yeah, it wasn't some life You cannot replace Matt Dillon, Chrissy McNichol. Those two for sure. I could have gone with someone else for Tatum O'Neill. I can't think of yeah. who, except, no, I can't think of who. I feel like Brooke Shields could have played that character. Yes, absolutely. But then I also think she looks too much, too similar to Christy McNichol. Just mm-hmm. both being brunette and both of them are really, really pretty. Not that Tatum O'Neill's not pretty. She is very, right. but being the blonde, and I don't think Brooke Shields could look good with that. But if I had to pick out of those four, I would say Armand DeSante, just because he's mm-hmm. really could be anybody. Right. Who is your favorite supporting character? Penny. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I liked Penny. I liked how she was just in random scenes. She was just sitting there. Yes. And she would look like she God, had this furrow brow. Her. Like she was really intensely listening to everything that was going on. But I also liked, was her name Dana? Which or maybe that's that? her name in real life. The one who was the bookish one, Chris, uh, Angel's closest. Yes. Confidant. Yes. Yeah. I liked yeah, her as well. I was good with her. Um, Sunshine, I thought was really sweet. She was. I actually really liked the supporting characters in this mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. than I think the main ones. Mm-hmm. I thought it was a good cast. Um, but yeah, Penny just freaking cracked me up. Yeah. She made me laugh out loud. Mm-hmm. If you had been at this summer camp, which character would you have been? <laughs> probably Cinder. <laughs> <laughs> You probably would have. Like, I would oh, have. you haven't done it? And someone would be like, you need <laughs> some person <laughs> later on to be watching. Oh, Aaron. Not that I, let me clarify. I was never sexually assaulted by my father. Let me <laughs> clarify that because I really think that Cinder, if not her dad, then like an agent or someone yeah. in the entertainment industry. But I probably would. I mean, I love me some, you know, a little drama. That involves other people. So I'd probably be the, ooh, let's, co- you know, make a competition between you and you. This is what, you know, and it <laughs> absolves me of all like, you know, participation in it, but I get to keep the money and get to kind of run things. Oh, I mm-hmm. totally do that. Oh, see, and I would have been Angel's friend. Yeah, you would have been the bookish one. Yeah, that would have totally said, oh, yeah, I've totally done this and been in the background. Yeah. Or I would have been Penny and just like, completely removed myself and just sat and watched everything go down. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I could totally see that. So are you a Ferris or an angel? I would be more of an angel. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I would too. Just because I can relate to her upbringing more. Not yeah, that I had absentee I, parents. Well, I mean, kind of, they, they were working, not because they were off with other men or women. They were, you know, so I was taking care of my siblings a lot while my parents were working. But I feel like I get that whole kind of like being your own cheerleader type of thing. 
Yeah. And honestly, when you put it that way, I would be Ferris. Yeah. I liked the older men folk. Yeah. I, at that age, would have been very quick to make up stories. Uh huh. You know, just to not fit in. now. I feel like now I would be Angel. Mm-hmm. Back then, though, I would have been Ferris. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Just to fit in and to make myself more important and to, She's obviously one at home who like plays by the rules and does what she's supposed to do, which I absolutely did when Mm -hmm. I was a kid. And then outside of the home, you know, the theater school and things like that, that's where I could really play. Yeah. And so I would have definitely been that person to have the the good enough home life, you know, secure Mm -hmm. enough home life, but then make up the stories and sound like I'd done more than I actually had. Right. Well, and she kind of alludes to that. And I don't remember if it was in the canoe scene that was cut mm-hmm. or when she and Angel are talking at the playground, but she alludes to the fact that like she just wanted to fit in. Yeah. And that's why she did this. Yeah. She, you know, she's always overlooked as being this spoiled rich girl and she just wanted to to be normal. Yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have wanted to be normal though. That is one thing I do. In when I was a kid, it was more because I was always the lead in the shows. And I'm not saying mm-hmm. that to like toot my horn by any means, but I was that automatically kind of separated me from everyone else, you mm-hmm. know? But I didn't care that it separated me. I was kind of, <laughs> I was kind of glad that it separated me. I was fine with that. But then I also did want people to want to be around me and, you know, mm-hmm. more of that. So I would have made up the stories to gain the popularity, I think. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I could see myself. That doesn't mean I did. Let me be very clear. <laughs> but I could see that if I was thrown into this movie, I could totally see that being the case because I would not have fit in at a summer camp by any means. Yeah. So final, final fun thing. Let's do a genre swap. Okay. So imagine this movie was not a fun little coming of age movie. It was a horror movie. Which it should be because it takes place at a summer camp. (laughs) Right. That's the only thing I could think of, honestly. But then going by your standard rules of horror movies, that means my girl would have been the first to die. You think so? Because she lost her virginity. Oh, but not until much later in the movie. Ferris would have been the final girl. I No, you know what? I think Scrappy-Doo would have been the final girl. I think your girl would have been final. I think it would have broken have the, the stereotype. Yeah, I think she mm-hmm. would have. That she's, I think of all Cinder of them, would have been the first to die. Ow. And she would have been the one where everyone cheered that yes. she was killed. Yes. If not the... F- yes, I think she would have been the first to die. I think that Penny would have survived. I think Penny was a killer. Oh, my God. That would make me so happy. <laughs> See, I would think Armand Asante was the killer. Oh, true. Yeah. That's where yeah, I that's went. what you would think. But then you but find then you him find dead. out it. Yes. And then it's Penny. <gasps> Penny. Damn. Or Chubby. It was Chubby oh, because chubby. she had no. <laughs> she had she no. Had no, she no would role. never suspect her. Right. She did nothing. Right. <gasps> oh, my God, Odell. I like that a lot more. Yeah. Because Armand Asante would be too easy. Yeah. You would think. And of course, there would be weird, uncomfortable scenes between him and Ferris. I think both Ferris and Angel would have survived. 
See, and that would have turned turned it around. It still could have been called Little Darlings. Absolutely. They were still trying to lose their virginity. Yep. And yeah. All of it could to. be the same, but just people are getting knocked mm-hmm. off. That's it. Yeah. Knocked off instead of knocked up. I guess no one got knocked yes. up though. Yeah, no one did in this one. Well, because they stole all those condoms. So of course they didn't. <laughs> they better not have. I mean, good for them being safe. I love that. Again, mm-hmm. like, but that would be a whole other conversation. That would be part of the after school special, not right. this movie. I mean, and I got that it was, you know, they were just going by what do we know? And you didn't know anything. There were no, no sex talks back then. No. I remember we had in our health class when I was a junior in high school, God. we got, we, we, that's when we had the sex talk. And yes. like, people are like, there was a kid in my class when I was in seventh grade, he got his first, first blowjob by an eighth grader. Oh so it's God. like, this was already happening. Oh, yeah. And the sex talks that we got were like abbreviated and the yep. boys and the girls weren't in the same classroom. Well, and it was technical. It wasn't right. like it didn't bring any emotion into it because we got in in health in high school. Mm-hmm. No emotion is brought into it. No, you know, if you think no. you're in love, then, you know, these are the feelings you might get and you might think that it's time. Like there was none of that. It was all just mm-hmm. the seed and the flower. <laughs> so I like that they were just naive. And they're all trying to be older than they really are. Yes. And then that was very accurate. And so I got that part. I just wish that there, like I said, I wish the story had been a little more tight. Yes. I agree with that. All right. Any other thoughts on the movie? No, I'd like to see. I think I would like the TV version a lot more. And I hope that they Mm -hmm. aired that after school one day, (laughs) you know, (laughs) three or 4 p.m air that one that you don't have to have your parents. So you kind of get a little lesson on friendship and loyalty and doing the right thing and the importance of sex and who you're going to be doing it with and safety, all of that. There are so many things that are wonderful in this movie that need to be talked about. We don't need mm-hmm. the animal house acts, you know, aspect right, at all. Right. And I got like the food fight was fun. It was fine. It was perfect. There was so it was so uneven. Yes. That there wasn't a lot of character building. And then the edit, the final edit that we watched this time around, you don't understand why how Angel and Ferris go from hating each other to all of a sudden being close friends friends after one simple scene. Yes. And like I said, that that canoe scene where she saves her from drowning. There's a lot that of should have been character in building there. there. I can't believe that that wasn't in there. That seems like the worst thing to cut mm-hmm. if you want their relationship you, to make sense. Right. And then you see them deciding that we need to help Mr. Callahan. Mm-hmm. And so they band the girls together and they all go and talk to the count, the main head counselor or whatever her name is. Yeah. Together. And as kind of Ferris and Angel drive that. So it makes sense at the very last shot when she says, this is my friend Ferris. She's my best friend. Right. How they develop that friendship. Well, and I assume that, you know, the single dad and the single mom are going to get together later. And, you know, then then they'll be sisters. Like, that's the assumption that I made at the end. (laughs) Funny. All right. So our last thing that we need to do is spin the wheel of nostalgia. Okay. You want me? So Aaron's going to bring the wheel up. So excited. Okay. We have, and so for our listeners, we have a spreadsheet with different 
time date ranges. Mm -hmm. And I chose since this movie was in our 1980 to 82 date range, I'm going up to our next tab, which is 83 to 85. Okay. So I'm going to give you do the shuffle three times. Spin. We're going to spin this three times. Uh and We have to choose one of three movies. Okay. The first movie is Class. Class. Okay. The next thing we need to do when I pick one is make sure we that remove it. <laughs> these are available. Yeah. So remove oh, it. yes. Okay. Remove it so right now have... from there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Remove it. Okay. That's your first one. Here's the next one. Are you writing these down? Yes. Um. Okay. Number two. Oh. Oh, Splash. Oh, I love I love that. Splash. Okay. okay. Third one is... Here we go, here we go, here we go. Oh, Christine. Okay. Well, I can already tell you we're going to watch Splash. I figured as much, and I'm very excited about that. So Splash will be two weeks from today, yes. actually. Yes. What are we doing next week? Because Aaron gets to So what we do is we each choose one each month, mm-hmm. and then we each have to spin for one. Okay. So what are what have you chosen for next week? Episode? I have chosen one of my favorite movies of all time from 1985. And I will say this one, I believe, has held like it has withstood the test of time. Because I showed okay. it to my girls, and they are obsessed with it. It's a little movie called Clue. Okay. One of the greatest movies ever. In I haven't my seen opinion. it in forever. I watched it just a couple of years ago. We showed it to the girls and I was like, this is just as good. <laughs> like this could be <laughs> a today movie and it would be just as good. So, nice. yes. Well, my girls will be right. so excited to watch it again. Now we have one more thing that we do before we sign off, though. Yes. So we're playing a round of trivia. Yes. And we're going to keep track of our scores. Are and you keeping track of, the of year, them? Do I have to keep track of mine? I will. I will have. I'll start a spreadsheet. Okay, thank you. <laughs> so, and then we'll see who who won the overall. I'm very nervous about this because I feel like you're going to, but go. <laughs> so, I'm going to ask Aaron five questions. Is this from the '80s? This is from an '80s '90s trivia game. Oh, okay, so it could be anything. Okay. So, this one. Oh, we're going to go with this one. In what John Hughes movie do two misfits create their ideal woman on a computer only to have her come to life due to an accident? Come on. Weird science. Yep. I did not Love realize that, that was John movie. Hughes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is the best thing Bill Paxton ever did. What Canadian singer released the albums Fumbling Toward Ecstasy, Surfacing, and Touch? I'm going to go with Shania Twain. No. Sarah McLachlan. She's Canadian? Uh-huh. Damn it. I knew that with fumbling toward ecstasy. Aaron, you're so dumb. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. Right, I was just thinking Canadian automatically, Shania Twain. Hmm. Ugh, annoying. Go on. What former Trekkie played TJ Hooker? Leonard Nimoy, Gene Roddenberry, or William Shatner? William Shatner. Yes. Okay. <gasps> this is a sports one, so Oh, okay. What East German figure skater won back-to-back world championships? Katarina Witt or Elaine Zayak? Katarina Witt. Yep. I loved Katarina Witt. And lastly, oh, this is awful. What high school shooting captured the public's attention in 1999? Uh, Columbine. 
Yes. I was about to say Columbian High School. <laughs> Columbian right, High so you School. you got four out of five. Okay. Ah, so, I should have gotten five out of... I'm really annoyed. Okay, that's fine. So let's say we have to do five so just to keep it even. Yes. So that... I mean, you can't go asking me only four questions next week to... <laughs> so that I can... That. Okay. <laughs> okay, five questions every week. It can be 80s, 90s, any sort of... Yeah. Well... I mean, I like how you split it up. TV, movie, sports... Well, this one is just from the game that I have. It's the 80s, 90s trivia game. And so it has them in categories. Already. Oh, God. I have the 90s and I have the 80s separately. So I'll okay. just get from both. All right. Well, thanks for joining us today for our very first episode. Yay! I know it ran really long. We're still trying to get yeah. our format together. So it's the first one. Us. Give us some grace. Yeah. We had to set it up. Don't forget to rate and follow us on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Also, check out our website for show notes, links to sources, links to where you can find this movie if you'd like to watch it for the first time or as a rewatch. And, of course, the links to our amazing, amazing playlists. Yes, I'm very excited and about And don't this. forget to tell your friends about us. Yes, and Aaron, don't forget to send me your 1080s and 1090s songs. I'm too. on it right now. I don't believe you. I don't either, but it'll be soon. <laughs> All right, y'all. We will see you next week. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. Please be sure to tell all of your friends about us, especially any fellow Gen Xers. And don't forget to follow us on social media and your favorite podcast app. And be sure you're set to auto-download so you never miss an episode. And while you're there, leave us a five-star rating. Don't forget to visit backwherewebelong.com to gain access to our ultimate playlists, pick up some merch, and do a deeper dive into all of our episodes. Thanks again. We'll see you next week.